regarded as the morning star of Wittenberg <laughs> might not be who you first who first comes to mind or maybe it is you're listening to faith and family I'm Andy Bates we have a great book to discuss with you today about the Reformation Reformation 500 uh, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation right around the corner just about about a month away and uh, a book to help teach children well all of us really uh, about a particular, a key figure in the Reformation. You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Eddie Bates. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, and their fine support of this program. You can find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Joining me by phone this morning, Jenna Strackbein. She's a co-author of the book, Catherine Von Bora, The Morning Star of Wittenberg. Uh, Jenna, welcome to Faith and Family. Hi. Glad to have you with us today. Looking forward to learning more about your book. And Emily Strackbein, also primary illustrator for the book, Catherine Von Bora, The Morning Star of Wittenberg. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for joining me this morning and uh, sharing about your new book, just in time for us to teach about uh, the Reformation and this key figure. Tell us, uh, let's, first of all, I'd like to learn a little bit about more about you, and uh, we'll dig into the book here as well. Jenna, tell me a little bit about you and your family, and what got you interested in writing children's books? Well, uh, we have five nieces and a nephew, and we're always trying to find good children's books for them, and uh, there really aren't very many children's books out there about real people from history. And uh, so we have kind of had the idea in the back of our minds that we would love to do children's books for them about some of our favorite people from history. And Catherine is one of our very favorite people from history. And uh, this is the 500th anniversary this year. So we decided to do a book about Catherine for, for our nieces and nephews. So, yeah. Emily, tell me about your involvement and uh, collaborating on this book. Well, it's really a great thing to be able to work together on projects as a family. Um, It's one of those things where God gives everyone different talents and gifts, and um, being able to combine those with um, working together with your family is a great thing. Um, So my sister, Shanna, is really good at storytelling, and um, she's studied different things about uh, writing scripts and stuff, and um, so I'm a little bit more the artist person, so um, when we pulled different people uh, together, we were able to put this together. Um, It was really a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jenna, why did you why did you choose Catherine Von Bora? Tell me, what was it about Catherine's story that uh, that intrigued you and you wanted to tell her story in a children's book? Well, really, there, it, there aren't very many good role models for girls out there today, and Catherine is, really is a good role, role model, and she, she really is the personification of the, a Proverbs 31 woman, and 
so she's just a really great example for girls out there and she she was she and Martin Luther really made a great team she uh, he had a lot to do he was writing and translating the Bible and doing and he was a pastor and a professor and everything and Catherine really managed all the practical things so that he had time to do that she they had a huge house and they were constantly had guests and lodgers and refugees and she hosted all those people and she also helped uh, Martin Luther with his publishing she helped manage all of that and and she was an entrepreneur and a, a businesswoman and she she raised cattle and all kinds of animals and sold them so really she I Martin Luther would may have accomplished far less in all that he did if he had hadn't had Catherine helping him and so she is I think a really good example of uh, what a woman should and can be for girls and so that was what we really liked about her and thought it, she would make a really great children's book so yeah what were some things that you learned about Catherine von Bora as you you studied and researched to to write this book on her what are some of the perhaps key lessons from her life that that you wanted to bring into this book as you learned more about her some of the things that we learned was that the catholic church at the time very much de-emphasized the role of a wife and a mother and presented celibacy as the highest calling, and really with the Protestant Reformation, the role of the family, as people started reading the Bible, they realized that the importance of that, and people started going back to how what a biblical family should look like and be like, and Martin and Catherine were a very good example of that and of the em- emphasizing the importance of a father and a husband and a wife and a mother, and they taught that and were a wonderful example of that in a time when people thought that it was much more important and holy to really not do very practical things for God and just be a nun and, or a monk and really not do much of anything useful. So, and it seems like today that perhaps it's under the family is underrated as well. And so I think that the example of Martin Luther and Catherine is a very timely example for our day as well. You, you've certainly taken history and, uh, and, captured it in this uh, in this children's book in a way that is is it, it written that that is easy to uh, to read and to follow and to share as a story for parents to be able to to read and share with their children or or for uh, budding readers to to uh, sit down and read mm-hmm. tell me about 
you know, when writing a book based on history, there's an emphasis on accuracy. And tell me how you approached this in creating the book. You know, why was accuracy important and how did you approach that in writing a children's book? Well, we did want to try to be very accurate in the book because for children it's confusing if you have things that are made up, mixed with things that are real. It's confusing, well, what's real and what's not real? So we didn't state anything as a fact in the book unless we had at least two reliable sources to back up that fact. And we actually... uh, footnoted the whole book, even though, of course, that's not in the printed version of the book, Um, just because we wanted children to learn the real fact and not to have things that were made up mixed in there with that. And uh, and, uh, Emily did the same thing with the with all of the clothes and everything and the illustrations. Emily, why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, um, we wanted to be really accurate with the illustrations as well so that people and children could see sort of like what it would have looked like, what it would have felt like in, in Catherine's day. So we did a lot of research on the looking at paintings and looking at woodcuts from the era for the clothing and the hair, um, for the buildings, and the little accessories like chairs and fireplaces and stuff like that as well. So that it's sort of like you're immersed in the era and, okay, this is what Catherine would have been living in, Luther would have been living in. Um, so that was a goal with the illustrations as well. I noticed that uh, in in some of the illustrations as well, you you took a different angle rather than just uh, what we might consider a typical camera shot looking on, um, you know, from from a portrait or a landscape. But uh, in in some of the artwork, you you, you took uh, the image from overhead as well and and created the art from that perspective. Tell me a little bit more about uh, the the process of how you you researched and then came to uh, the pieces that you did to include in this book. Right. Well, one thing that um, Jenna and I studied before um, when we were working on another project, we um, did a little bit of research and studying and reading books on um, camera work and different things like that. So we had some different ideas. Some of those same ideas can translate um, into illustrations as well um, with storyboarding. So we tried to take different creative angles um, like the 95 theses and table talk, just so you'd have a different view of what those things might have looked like. Um, so that was a lot of fun, just sitting down and sort of brainstorming, what, what would this have looked like from this angle or that angle, and let's take a different different approach to that, not what everybody usually sees. Um, so that was kind of a goal with some of the things that you usually think of, like table talk and him nailing a 95 theses. I noticed that you even included Luther's dog in some of the the illustrations in the story of the book. Why <laughs> include Luther's dog? Uh, is it clowny? Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, well, you know, I think children really um, connect with animals. Um, so having little animals in the illustrations, I think, helps to draw the children in. Plus, it's it's realistic. I mean, there are animals in everyday life, too. Um, so, Clowney was 
really a great discovery when we were reading Table Talk. We discovered about him, and we couldn't find um, necessarily what kind of a dog he was. So we did some reading about German dogs and decided on a, a dash hound, which is it's a German dog that dates back to the 1400s. And plus, we really think they're cute. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think having Luther have a, a dog, which he did have, which that's accurate, um, I think it helped you connect with his character as well with what he was like in real life, that he was kind and loving, and um, I think that really helps children um, connect with him. Plus, um, for our nephew, uh, he really loves frogs, our nephew Peter, and we added a few little frogs in there (laughs) for him to find. So there are even some uh, kind of hidden, in a sense, uh, it, it creates an adventure for children to find those things within the uh, the illustrations. Yes, yes. Looking through uh, on page 23, we see a picture of him preaching, of Luther preaching, and, and the people standing, quite different than what we picture today in a typical congregation. But uh, why was that important to, to convey that the people were standing during, his, uh, during the, the sermon? Well, because that is how it was, that the people, um, when they were listening to a sermon or going to church, there weren't pews. Um, everybody stood. And that's well, another thing that um, when we found that out, we're like, oh, that seems kind of strange today. But that um, historically accurate. That's what it would have been like. Hmm. Let's go back a, a little bit to the early uh, Martin and early uh, Catherine von Bora and the 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 struggles that they had um, each individually before they were married, the struggles over this notion of holiness uh being you know their their vocations as as a monk and as a nun um and how did you depict that uh, that struggle, and what was the message ultimately that you wanted to leave the readers with in this uh, struggle or the tension that they experienced? Well, really, the the message is the gospel, because you can't really tell Martin Luther's wife's story without telling some of his story and the the struggles that he had with the teachings of the Catholic Church, thinking that you could earn your salvation, and then for him reading the Bible and and discovering the gospel that you couldn't work your way to heaven and that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross paid the penalty for sinners. And uh, so it's really the gospel that is that you're sort of learning along with the characters in the book, because that, that's really how it was. And... Uh, that really is an exciting part of the story. And depicted in the, the illustration here as we, uh, early on in this story, the, when, when Catherine was 24 and we see a picture of her in the, the, uh, the cloister in the convent, uh, in, uh, what was this, in Nimshin, see a picture of her and, and the other sisters. And, uh, the other sisters are, are talking. Some are confused and you can see, uh, Catherine here in the, the center of the picture with this, this, uh, well, how would you describe the, the look on her face? It's, um, it looks like she's pondering and even troubled. It was, it was really turned people's world upside down when they, when they heard the, the Bible talk because no, very few people read the Bible and didn't know what it had to say. And 
So especially people that were nuns or monks, it, the world was definitely turned upside down for them. And so that was definitely what happened with Catherine. So, and that's really an exciting part of the story, too. <laughs> And there's even this element of suspense as we go from them, the, the nuns, learning of the, the truth of the gospel and raising the question then, is this uh, the vocation in which I live, the way of life in the convent, not the way to God after all? And they, they, uh, they write their letter and, and, and communicate with, uh, ultimately with Martin Luther and, and uh, this plan then to, uh, to escape. Um, there's this, there's an element of suspense in this story that uh, I think engages the reader as well. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, it it is very dramatic because uh, if if some of the Catholic princes were more strict than others, but um, then Duke George the Bearded, for example, which he comes in the story a little bit, actually had some men executed in his lands for helping some nuns escape. So it was very dangerous, especially for anyone that helped nuns. I don't know that they would necessarily execute the nuns. It may have been um, depended on how strict the prince of, of that area was, but it was very dangerous to run away from a convent and dangerous for the people that helped them escape. So it, it, was, it, it was very dramatic. Looking at the... the the images of the Luther home being an example of a, a Christian family and what that may look like. What are some of the important elements of Martin and Katie Luther's home and marriage and life that you want, uh, that you want the illustrators to, to learn and how that might benefit them today? Well, Martin Luther, he, he wrote catechisms to teach the children the Bible, and he really taught his family and his children the Bible, and that was something that coming out of the medieval era was because the emphasis was so much on uh, the highest calling of a priest or a monk or something like that, um, the role of a father and a mother was not considered very important, and Martin Luther really just going back to the Bible and teaching his children and his family the Bible, and Catherine, too, teaching the children very much so. It was a really revolutionized family life for uh, in a way that it, it hadn't been for a long time. Martin Luther wrote music, and they sang together and uh, read the Bible together, and it was just uh, a going back to the Bible and how it should be for families. And um, Martin and Catherine are both a very good example of that. But you don't sugarcoat the story. I mean, you, you are clear in the story that not everything is perfect, not everything is easy for Martin and Katie. I mean, you point out that he's often attacked for, for taking a bold stand on God's Word and and that he struggled with that, and, 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 and Catherine as well. What was, what was her role? Um, how, did, how do you depict her, her role in that as he struggled with these attacks of being so bold uh, because of his boldness in confessing and preaching the truth? 
Yeah, well, he did. He would he would get depressed at times because there were so many people just attacking him and uh, not hearing the truth, and he would have times where he would just get depressed. And Catherine always, she was so very sensible and very practical, and she always knew just what to do and say to cheer him up and and remember, bring him back, remind him of what God had done and what God's promises were. And so that was a very important role that she played. And also, Martin Luther had practically ruined his health when he was a monk, just not taking care of himself. So he had all kinds of ailments. One of the things she did learn when she was in the convent was medicine, and her son described her as half a doctor. So that was another way that she was uh, a wonderful uh, helper to Martin Luther because he was always afflicted with all these ailments, and she took care of him and knew all what to do to take care of him. He, he probably would have died much earlier if he, she hadn't been there to take care of him. So those two things was something that she really, taking care of his health and, and encouraging him when he got discouraged was a very important role that she played and a, a very good example for girls and young women. In your book, you have addressed some very uh, weighty, heavy topics, uh, but done so in a way that, that younger readers can can approach it or families can read it together, to the point of even including a glossary uh, at the end of the book, uh, and a, yeah. a, as well as a historical timeline to help us look at it more closely. Uh, yeah. With just about a minute left, uh, how have you mentioned uh, having nieces and nephews? How did they respond to the book as you shared it with them? Well, they really liked it. They really did. And I think particularly the, the mouse in the story and <laughs> Clowny were two favorites so far. Where, yes. where can we find your book, Catherine Von Bora, The Morning Star of Wittenberg? Um, it's available right now on Amazon. So um, that's really great. You can just type in Catherine Von Bora on Amazon and it should be one of the first things that comes up. Very good. And we'll provide a link with uh, with the archive of today's program as well on our website, kfuo.org. My guest today, Jenna Strackbein, uh, co-author of the book, Catherine Von Bora. Jenna, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. This has been great. And Emily Strackbein, primary illustrator for Catherine Von Bora, the Morning Star of Wittenberg. And, and Emily, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you. Coming up in just a little bit. We revisit a conversation with one of our missionaries as we head to Spain to talk with the Warners who are serving the Lord in Spain. You're listening to The Messenger of Good News, Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.